Hey ladies and brave gentlemen joining us. Uh, my name is Tiffany Dawn and I am a YouTuber. This is my first time ever attempting a podcast, but because so many of you requested a podcast version of my new YouTube series, I figured why not? Let's give it a try. So this is my series called outgrowing the good Christian girl, and I hope it can encourage you. Let's get right into episode one called growing pains. Welcome back to a very different episode of Life Advice You Don't Hear in Church. This is the first in a series called Outgrowing the Good Christian Girl. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I posted a few days ago saying, would any of you be interested in this series? And I could not believe how many of you said, yes, I would love that. And I got so many DMs. And so I figured, you know what? I want to talk about this. I want to talk about my faith journey, which has been really leading to a lot of freedom lately. This video is a lot different than my normal ones. Um, normal is a little more concise. This is gonna be a longer video, um, but I'm really excited to talk with you guys. So I figured it'd be appropriate to film with my lived-in living room behind me <laughs> because life is messy and faith can be messy too. It is messy and we're not all gonna agree. And my goal with this series is not that I tell you what to believe or that I give you answers, but it's just to say like, there's more than one way to be a Christian. There's more than one way to understand God. There's more than one way to understand the Bible. And I know that's a scary thing to say. It sounds like heresy if you've grown up in an evangelical church like I have, but um, just recognizing like, it's okay to have questions and it's okay also to not always have answers. So in this video, I wanna just start at the beginning of my story. So I grew up in a very, um, predominantly white evangelical church, um, very black and white in a lot of areas. Like how could you be a Christian and vote for a Democrat? How could you be, let's just get right into the hot topics. How could you be a Christian and have a woman pastor? Like it was very black and white. And at first I grew up really well in that environment, you know, as a kid, like having that structure, having those clear boundaries and rules worked really well for me with my personality. When I was around 11, my church went through what a lot of people will call a revival. Um, it was very emotional spirituality. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it was, that's just what it was. Like, you know, people praying for you and you falling over and um, raising your hands in worship. And I really connected with that. I'm a very in touch with my emotions person. And I really felt like I was experiencing God that way. And I really believe I was like, I fell in love with Jesus during that time and just seeing like, wow, I want this. I want closeness to God. I want to hear his voice. I want to know more about him. And I just fell in love with God. But I know that environment was also really hard for some of my siblings who are very intellectual people and they don't really connect with that emotional side quite as much. They're more about like the thinking about things like God calls us to love him with our hearts. I was great at that, but also with our minds. And so for a lot of people, some my siblings included, they felt like I can't be a Christian unless if I have this emotional experience. So we grew up in that environment. We were also homeschooled. So we didn't have a ton of outside influence. Honestly, I was really, really lonely in high school. Um, my outside influence was essentially youth group at church. Um, in the summer, also swim team and lifeguarding. Um, but during the year, it was just pretty much like it was me, our homeschool group, which met once a week and youth group, which met once a week. And I felt very isolated and I didn't have a lot of 
other perspectives coming in. You know, the music I could listen to, my parents were really careful about and the books we could read, like it was all very monitored. Um, and it's funny cause like my parents are so different now than they used to be. Like my parents are like super cool now. They are on, my mom is on like the same faith journey I'm on, which is so fun. So it's one of my sisters. It's cool to get to talk with them about this as we're learning and growing. But at the time it was very much like more rigid, more like more isolated. And in that very closed community, um, it was majority white. Like we never talked about race. We never talked about social justice that I remembered other than being pro-life in the sense of being against abortion. And nothing else was ever really discussed. Like if someone had asked me, is racism still an issue? I would have said not anymore. Like I had no idea. And I had very few friends who were any ethnicity other than white. So I get to college early. I started college while I was still 16 full-time because I just wanted friends <laughs> around me every day. I was so starved for social interaction, um, in my opinion. And so I, I really wanted friends. So I started going to college at the community college and I met this guy there, Bill hard for him fast and if you've read my books you know this guy I call him Eric that wasn't his real name and he was not a good guy for me to date um I was very conscientious it was like everything had to be I had to do everything right and I was even my personality like I'm a one on the Enneagram which is a perfectionist super easy to just see the world in black and white and it's hard to see outside of your perspective and just wanting to do everything right and be perfect. So I start dating this guy and I start going to church with him. Well, the church he goes to is extremely legalistic, like way more than the church I grew up in. And so they have this desk at the entranceway with head coverings in it because in 1 Corinthians 11, it talks about women covering their heads while praying. And so if you walk in and you're a woman, you don't have a head covering, you take one of the doilies out and you put it on your head during the service. Um, also women were supposed to be silent in church. So I went from, you know, leading worship sets at my old church and leading the Christian group on campus at college to my boyfriend kind of giving me an ultimatum, like you shouldn't be doing this as a woman. Like he literally said to me, I don't know why God has given you the gifts he has because you can't use them because you're a woman. And it was very like legalistic interpretation of scripture. And if you questioned it, it was like, you're questioning God, you're questioning the Bible. Like it's not safe to question. You just have to take it for granted. And that was probably the start of my spiritual awakening, I guess I'll call it, or this like long journey I've been on because over time I felt like I was dying inside, like spiritually dying. And even my youth pastor from my old church noticed it and mentioned it to me. He did not like this guy. He could see before I could that he was not a good fit for me. Um, but I felt like I am dead inside. Like even, you know, I used to just pray on my way to school. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait a second, where's my head covering? I need a head covering while I'm praying, you know, and like being very concerned about every little detail and anxious about it. On top of that, my boyfriend was like not a good person <laughs> to me. And so it was kind of like this inconsistency again of like, oh, he's like wants me to be perfect, but he struggles with pornography and he struggles with checking out other girls on our date nights out. And he struggles with all this stuff that makes excuses for it, but I have to be perfect. It was very inconsistent. When I got out of that relationship, I really wrestled with what do I do with the Bible? which has said women shouldn't speak in church. So in that church, like they'd be like, okay, well, we got to make sure we're honoring the Bible. So like, when does a boy become a man? Cause we can't have women teaching Sunday school to 
to men. And so they said, okay, we're gonna say 12 years old is the cutoff. So women can teach Sunday school before that, but not after that. And in the service, women can only sing. They have to be silent the rest of the time. And to me, it was really hard to wrap my mind around, okay, I've heard all these rock solid arguments justifying these things. And if I believe the Bible is meant to be literally interpreted, how can I not obey these things? And it just raised a lot of questions. And I remember telling God, like, God, if you are who you think, who I think you are right now, I want nothing to do with you anymore. And I just felt dead inside. And it just reminds me of how Jesus said, you know, a tree by the fruit it bears. And I think sometimes we're like, we just want to ignore that because we're like, it's too feelings oriented. We could be too easily deceived, blah, blah, blah. But I really think we need to take that seriously and be like, when we're walking in our faith and we're feeling like all this anxiety and pressure and like something's not right and we're dead inside, like you got to ask some questions. You got to start being like, this is not the fruit that Jesus said he wants to bring. He wants to bring peace and rest and life and freedom. And if that is not the fruit that's being born from our religious experience, then maybe something's not wrong with us. Maybe something's wrong with the way we're approaching God and our faith. Maybe it's not what it was meant to be. So a few years go by, I'm still wrestling with these questions. I've gone to a Christian college. I've been working through an eating disorder, just a lot of like, a lot of struggle in my mental health. And a few years have passed. I'm speaking full time. I've started dating James. So I'm in my late twenties and um, I go to speak at this summer camp. Unbeknownst to me, this is like an extremely strict legalistic summer camp. Um, most of the staff and faculty there think that a woman should not be the chapel speaker. Um, but the chaplain thought, I want to shake things up. I'm going to invite this, this lady to come speak. So I come in and I start speaking for chapel services this week and I can feel some resistance. And then one day some of the girls come to me and they say, so how do you, we just, we're not trying to judge you. We just want to understand, like, we've always heard women can't teach or preach. And so how do you like reconcile the Bible with speaking in chapel? And I had, I did not have an answer for them, except, you know, a tree by the fruit it bears. And when I was silent, I was dead inside and Jesus came to bring life. And that was like all I had at the time. And I felt like such a fraud and such a flake to not have an answer for them. Um, but I've since learned that there are a lot of times we don't have the answers and that's okay because in the evangelical culture I grew up in, having the answers was a big part of your faith. You had to know the answers, but I've come to believe that it's not really about that. So around that time, two people very close to me come out. So one comes out saying he's gay and he also wants to be baptized and like reestablish a relationship with God at the same time. And another one comes out saying, I am transitioning to the other gender. And I did not know what to do with that. <laughs> that was always an area growing up that was very black and white. Like you don't ask questions about it. The Bible is clear. And I had always literally thought like, okay, if the Bible is meant to be like this literal interpretation of God's word, then how could a Christian think it's okay to be gay? Like I honestly thought that. And the thing is with evangelicalism is it's very dualistic. And it's like, there's only one right way. There's only these two perspectives. One is right and one is wrong. And it doesn't leave room to say, well, maybe there's more than one perspective. Maybe we are not the ultimate authority on how the Bible is meant to be understood. Anyway, I start wrestling with a lot of anxiety over this because I feel 
as a one on the Enneagram, this intense desire and need to know the answer and to be able to wrap my mind around what do I believe on this? And I just did not know what I believe. And so I was wrestling hardcore and I was also wrestling in my first year of marriage as um, a lot of old insecurities about my body image came back up. And I often felt very unloved by James. It's a whole nother story, but basically it wasn't that either of us were at fault. It was just like trying to figure out how to make each other feel loved in that first year of marriage. But it was really, it led to a lot of tension sometimes. So I started going to counseling for the sake of my marriage and the sake of my sanity. And the counselor I found, I, I texted a friend of mine and was like, I want a counselor who is a Christian, but isn't gonna, isn't like your Christian counselor. I want someone who like, it's not gonna be bringing the Bible into our sessions, but also gets where I'm coming from. So she set me up with this guy who's a grandfather and James goes to see him too now. We adore him. He is so wise. He used to be a very conservative evangelical pastor, and now he just has a much broader view. And he really pushed me to ask questions that I wanted to ask, but I was scared to ask. I felt like a heretic asking them. And looking back, I'm like, why did I feel that way? But at the time, I was so entrenched in this dualistic worldview of everything is black and white. And I was so afraid to ask questions. I remember even asking in the past, like, how do we really know the Bible is like infallible and being just shut down? Like, you don't ask questions like that. Like, that makes people worry about you. But I don't know. I guess I've always thought if something is really true, then it can stand up to any questions. Like, you don't have to be afraid of asking questions when you're looking for truth. Anyway, so I was like in these counseling sessions talking about, I just don't know what to think. Um, and my counselor was just saying, why do you feel like you need to know? And that's what my parents were asking me too, actually. Like, why do you feel like you have to have the all-conclusive authoritative answer to this? Like, why? It's not affecting how you live your life. <laughs> it's not something that you're wondering, am I gay? So why are you asking? Why do you have to know so badly? And I just had to wrestle with that and say, I don't know, I'm so anxious because I don't know what I believe on this issue. In evangelicalism, it's like, you have to know. You have to know it all. You have to have all the right answers. And to just have the freedom to say, I don't know what I believe and that's okay, was like extremely freeing. When I finally got to that place, it was like a huge weight came off my shoulders. So at, over the past few years, I've started asking a lot more questions, questions that were never the safe questions to ask. And I've started kind of re-engaging with my faith in a new way. It's like, I love Jesus so much. And I 100% believe that he came and he died for us and that he is God. But I don't think about the Bible in the same way I always have. I don't think about the black and white, you can't be a Christian and blank in the same way I always have. I'm realizing like there's more than one way to be a Christian and I don't have to have all the answers. And so over the next few weeks, I'm just gonna share some different things, some different topics. Next week, we're gonna talk about the Bible and how I see that differently than the way I grew up. And we're gonna talk coming up about women in the church, women in leadership, submission. We're gonna talk about racism and social justice in the church. We're gonna talk about if you can be a Christian and vote for the Democratic Party, because where I grew up, you weren't allowed to do that. We're gonna talk about, is it okay to be gay? Um, just a lot of the questions I've wrestled with, and it's not to tell you, here's what you believe. Instead, it's to say, it's okay to ask questions, 
And it's important to know that there's more than one way to approach these issues. That I think is the biggest thing, like shutting it down and saying there's only one right way is kind of prideful. And I just don't think it's true. I've been, I've been blessed with friends on all sides of the spectrum from extremely conservative to extremely liberal, and they all love Jesus with all their hearts. And that has been hard at first, but very powerful for me to have conversations with them and learn and grow and start to say, there's more than one way to be a Christian. So we'll talk more next Friday. I love you ladies. Bye. Thanks again for joining me on this brand new podcast. I hope that could encourage you. And I'll see you next week for episode two, which is all about the Bible.